This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. I'm talking to Matthew Pinchinot, who was recently named as the new director for Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, a new post for the Gilderland School District. His parents came to the United States from Haiti. His family started a food pantry at their church, and he learned the community is larger than you. In becoming a teacher, Pinchinot followed his father's lead. He saw the humanity in every student, he says. Now Pinchinot will be shifting his influence from just the students in his classes to the entire school district. The work, he said, calls to his heart, reaching people in that human core. I know the community has been waiting, at least the school community has, to see who is going to be selected for a brand new position at the Gilderland Schools, which is the Director of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And that person is Matt Pinchinot. So welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I thought we'd start not about you, just talking about those three words, because they're used a lot lately, and people kind of reel them off without thinking about the meaning. And do you mind just starting with kind of a definition of what those words are? Because that's going to be germane to what your job is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll do my very best to not lean into my uh, the, the social studies teacher in me and, and go on too many tangents. Um, but to me, simply put, diversity uh, means that we are respecting and honoring and privileging the differences in our community. So um, diversity at its finest means that we recognize people from backgrounds that are different than our own. Now, clearly, racial diversity is an important piece in this. Um, but there's also diversity in thought. There's diversity in terms of our physical strengths, um, in terms of our emotional strengths, um, in terms of our family background, in terms of our immigration status. And so what capturing diversity really means to me, at least, it's recognizing how all of those different elements can play to, to making our community stronger, to helping us to grow and to providing the best outcome for our students. We know that in this world, um, there's not just one type of person, no organization's a, a monolith. And so for us to be able to tap into all these pools of knowledge and excellence that exists in our community, we'd be doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't. So tapping into them allows us to reach our maximum potential um, as a school district, as school communities, and uh, as a living community as well. Now, equity, to me, um, I see this, uh, and, and I'm going to draw from the difference between the terms equality and fairness. And for me, equity doesn't just mean that everyone gets the exact same thing. What equity means is that you're providing and um, encouraging and doing what you can to provide for equal outcomes. Um, and obviously, equal opportunities are a good point of that. Um, but a simple way to think about this is a poster that's fairly common. I've seen it around and it features three individuals all trying to watch a baseball game. Now, one of them um, is, uh, you know, 
too short to see over the fence. Another one, their head level is just at the top of the fence and they can't see the game and one person's already taller. Now, some people might say, um, well, I'm going to do the equal thing and give everyone a box to stand on. And so the tallest person, they didn't need a box to be able to stand on to see the game. The person who's that mid-height, um, that is exactly what they needed to be able to see the game. But the person who's the shortest, now their head level's at the fence and they still can't see the game. So you didn't really provide um, what's going to translate to equal outcomes or give the possibility for that. Now, doing things in what is truly an equitable way, not just equal, this plays into fairness as well, would be, you know, the person who was the shortest might need two boxes to be able to see the game. The person in the middle, the one box was the solution. And the person who's the tallest, they don't need a box. And now you have everyone standing on uh, that footing where they're able to see it and access it equally. I, I just love that visualization that you've given us. So the idea isn't everybody doesn't get the same thing because everybody doesn't need the same thing. And you give each person what they need to sort of level the playing field. That's a great, great image. Um, and, you know, so that ties in directly to the fact that we all have diverse backgrounds. Right. So um, and that, again, racial diversity is a very important part of this, but it's not the only piece. And so we have to think about what is it that our community needs. And, and diversity is something that benefits everyone, not just you know, a segment of our community. And uh, then we get to inclusion. Now, uh, inclusion for me is where we ensure that everyone is able to have you know, a, a seat at the table and everyone um, is able to benefit. You know, and everyone is able to grow and everyone is able to be able to to thrive, because, as I said earlier, when we honor and hone in on the diversity of our community, that's better for everyone, not just for one specific group. Now, in my past experience at Gilderland, the work that I've been fortunate enough to engage in has played into each one of these different categories. Um, and this is one of those tangents I mentioned <laughs> that I was going to try to avoid, but here we are. Um, in regards to diversity, I've been fortunate enough to be part of um, the anti-racism community at Gildreland High School, where I taught for four years, um, was able to be part of multiple student efforts, including, um, you know, the founding of the Black Student Union alongside some phenomenal students. Um, in terms of inclusion, I have been privileged to, to be a co-teacher and to work in the inclusion model. And so these are all things that I've seen, um, you know, really at the forefront of my career equity in terms of the focus program and having been a part of that since I came to Gilderland, you know, so seeing all these things at the forefront um, of my work experience made this position something that really stands out at the forefront for me as well. Yeah, it seems like a perfect fit. Maybe before we delve into your deep background and your growing up, I'd like to just have you unpack some of those things that you just listed for us um, that people who are listening might not be familiar with. Like, let's hear a little about the FOCUS program and what that is and how you, what ro your role you played there. Sure. Um, so I've, I've worn a couple of different hats in the FOCUS program. Um, I... Uh, in my first year, I started off teaching a section of Focus U.S. History, and um, I also was what was known as a Focus Family Teacher, and for the past few years, I've been the coordinator of the Focus Program. Now, the Focus Program in general, I think that um, the strand of equity, really, all three of them come through in the Focus Program. Equity is the one I see the most, but there absolutely is diversity. You have a very wide range of students in there. 
Um, so one of the big challenges is whenever, you know, ask, describe a focus student. There's not just one type of focus student um, because everyone has diversity of needs. One thing I think that does unite focus students is that sense of community and its students who we've seen and we know to be able to excel um, in, in that community setting. So in my focus US class when I taught that, um, that was a section where it was a, a small number of students, um, but it was able to grow very, very intimate because you have you know uh, just a dozen or so students in there and they get to know each other really well. And um, there's kind of a cohort model that you know, they had had in the past. Um, that model was, is uh, shifted in recent years, but there used to be a kind of a cohort model for them with grades in terms of their academic classes for social studies and English. Then beyond that, for family, that's a time when it really does become a family. So you have um, a teacher and you have a group of students and they become a group that meets every other day. And uh, they bond together, laugh together, cry together, um, work together and grow together. And it, it really is the type of bond that doesn't just go away, you know, uh, the following year or two years later. Um, one of the things that uh, some, some students in the focus program have really enjoyed doing is getting me to cry um, by reminiscing about different <laughs> times. It's almost like I think a focus badge of honor is, let's see who can make Mr. P cry first. Um, <laughs> so that's really been uh, a pleasure. And in the past couple of years as coordinator of the program, that meant that I would um, do a lot of work behind the scenes and organize uh, alongside um, administration some of our events like our community service day um, that takes place uh, every November parallel to Thanksgiving where the entire program has done community service and then bonds together over a meal um, towards the end of the day. Um, and so there's a lot of different programs that uh, Focus does, but that's one of the ones that I know um, different members of our community have likely seen directly because we worked with the Altamont Food Pantry, the Gilderland Food Pantry, um, the City Mission, and board members have come and attended the meal afterwards. And so that's something that is a very, very community-centric uh, event. Well, yeah, there's something wonderful about breaking bread together that does bring a community in. Well, so can you equally in such, you're so eloquent, can you tell us about the founding of the Black Student Union? Absolutely. Um, and please let me know if I'm rambling too long. I just get really excited about these things. Um, so the founding of the Black Student Union, I want to first and foremost just honor and acknowledge uh, the students that went into it. Um, I had some students reach out to me and tell me that this was a passion and a desire of theirs um, and that this is part of the legacy that they wanted to leave at Gilderland uh, High School. And, um, you know, they saw the the stirring in the community, they saw the shifts on a global level. Um, and 2020, I think, uh, as everyone, or at least most people would, you know, recall, there was a lot of social movement that happened during that summer. And this was one of the, uh, one of the wings that kind of um, came from that. And so we got together that summer, the students who had reached out, um, I, I'm not sure if I should say their names or keep their names for student confidentiality reasons. So I'll just leave it as the students and people who know, you know, the students um, and they are phenomenal kids. Um, they are really phenomenal young adults. But anyways, we got together over summer and we did a lot of planning and logistics. And 
What was amazing to me was seeing the club grow from the conception um, of two of our brightest you know, young women to grow to a club that had dozens of members and a club that met regularly throughout the year in the middle of the pandemic, you know, continuously using uh, virtual means because obviously physical meetings weren't going to happen. But we still had people logging on even towards the end of the year. People were coming to meetings. Um, we were able to bring in guest speakers um, and professionals from, you know, their fields, from different fields to talk about their experiences as black Americans and some of the hurdles that they've had to go over and the obstacles that they've faced, um, you know, including a historian, really rooting and bringing everyone into, okay, what is the progression of the story of uh, black folks in America? And, um, it, you know, another person was a college professor and a counselor and what, what is it that he has seen on, on the higher academic plane and some of his story as an immigrant himself. And so those are the kinds of things that we did. And the club met a lot this past summer and they have some wonderful things planned. Um, I know that one of their sources of pride was being involved in the anti-hate rally that happened last year. And I think that all of the members see this as a spot to to jump forward from, not as we've achieved, but as this is where we are and how much further can we go? And I and I have to highlight, uh, and this will be my last thing in this ramble, I have to highlight, you know, really the excellence of the black women that are involved um, in the leadership of that club. They are phenomenal leaders, phenomenal students, and um, I'm just so excited to see how far they will take the club and how high they'll be able to go. Yeah, I attended that anti-hate rally, and I've been covering the Gilderland schools. I went to the Gilderland schools, and I've been covering them for almost 40 years, and I've never witnessed anything like that. I've heard plenty of student speeches, which have been articulate and excellent, but it was like it was ripped from their hearts. It was like they were speaking these really important and painful things in a way that was so honest and so moving and I I was just floored by it um and your speech too um <laughs> I really got a sense of who you were and and just let's let's do that now let's go back because you mentioned in that speech um that your parents had come here from Haiti that your father was a teacher and just the way you talked about your love of teaching coming from that. Just tell us a little about your life growing up and your parents and how you became who you are. Absolutely. Um, I think one of the, you know, key things about me, I love my family and everyone who knows me um, knows that to be true. Um, I, I proudly uh, hold on to that title. Uh, you know, anyone who I'm like, yes, I love my mom and I love her dearly. You know, that's not something that I would shy away from, from saying. Um, in regards to their past, my parents' past, um, both of them are Haitian immigrants. And I'll, I'll, I'll ease on the story and I'll kind of tease in case anyone wants to follow up with me later and ask these questions. But they really do have like a Nicholas Spark story, um, their love story and how they came together. It was amazing and it's beautiful. And it's something can we hear it? Really, can we hear this story? <laughs> I, I can. I'll give. I'll give part of it. Okay. Um, so this it's a story that really goes across time and space. Um, and 
they they grew up and they were friends in Haiti. Uh, they were close together there. And my mom moved to the United States. Um, so she lived here. My dad was in Haiti. Um, she went back later and visited and, you know, really even to the point where my dad was like writing her letters. Uh, and my grandpa, my maternal grandfather, he was not having anyone moving in, you know, and trying to, to talk to his daughter. Uh, she's the only girl. And so even just trying to hide those letters and, <laughs> and so, I mean, this is really out of storybook. Uh, you know, anyone who's thinking the notebook, <laughs> I can see why you might be thinking that. So, um, and I'm skimping on the details just for time purposes here, but um, later when my dad ended up moving to the United States as well, um, he was part of the CUNY school system and my mom went to SUNY Albany and they maintained a friendship. Um, and my dad, he was just head over heels for my mom. He loved her and had loved her for a long time. And uh, he, you know, and I think she kind of danced around some of his advances for a little bit. Um, and it was, you know, she, she, she wanted to, you know, keep their friendship and he, he know confess he finally instead of you know hinting at things just told her how he felt and she decided to give him you know a chance and uh and, and five kids later i'd say that their chance you know it worked out pretty well <laughs> so and i'm the middle one if anyone's curious i have an older sister older brother me uh then younger sister and the younger brother and um so that that same story of love that's binded them you know across decades um, is one that I think has continued with my siblings and I, where we, regardless of where we are and when it is, we are always happy to drop and do whatever we can to support the others. Um, I, my entire family was watching um, the board meeting on Tuesday that you mentioned, and uh, my phone kept on buzzing as they were sending like congratulations. Yeah, anytime that they saw me on the screen, they were sending pictures of that. Um, my younger sister was like, I recorded every word that you said. And so these that's that's you know the family background that I have. And um, part of how that played into my love for teaching, my love for community, my dad as a teacher, um, he was someone that I saw didn't care about his students just as you know, numbers or just an X person in his class that needs to make it through this exam. He was someone that saw the humanity in every single student. And that was um, ultimately something that drove me to, to becoming an educator myself. He cared deeply. He was someone who always had food in his desk. Therefore, it was something that, you know, stood out to me. And, you know, there are going to be hungry students. And whether it's a granola bar or something admittedly less healthy, like a nutty butter um, or, whatever, you know, whatever snack it might have been, you know, having something, even if it was just lifesavers, that there's something that, you know, um, that became just a hallmark of who and how I am. Um, my dad was a pioneer who, uh, alongside my mom, we, our, our family, you know, started a food pantry through our church at the time. And so that was something that I saw modeled before me as a young child that this is about. It, it, that the community is larger than you um, and that our impact in the world is something that we want to exist even long after we're gone. Um, and I, I mentioned this at the board meeting, but truly it has been one of the greatest privileges of my life being able to teach and, uh, and, and having this community trust me with their children and the, and the students themselves uh, trusting me, you know, 
with their care and um, with fostering them and helping guide them as they tackled themes in history or whether it was in the focus program, whatever else, or if they just came and visited because one of their friends had me. Um, that has really been uh, such a privilege. I have every letter that a student has ever given me. Um, I, I keep them you know, close by and those are things that I do reread. And um, I don't know that I can emphasize enough how much that matters. Uh, kind emails, just a thank you. Those are things that never go away. Um, you know, and that I, I know I'm gonna keep with me for the rest of my life. Um, and so even transitioning to this position, one of the things that was really standing before me was uh, the idea that this was going to be a shift. And what I saw was that it's not me, you know, doing anything like giving up on being a classroom teacher. What it is, is I see this the same way that my dad did that it's larger than myself. And I'm so excited to have the opportunity to be able to interact with and hopefully impact change for students K-12. I've loved every second of being able to do that, um, you know, in, in my own four walls or in the, in the expanse of the focus program or through the parameters of co-teaching and interacting with my students, friends and family. Um, but in this position, being able to impact system-wide change that can last for generations is something that is bigger than me and something that um, calls out to my heart the desire to reach people and that human core, um, the desire to help others, the desire to be a source of strength for others, and and hopefully, you know, to pay it forward to all those who supported me um, in my personal walk, in my personal journey. Um, really, that was, it's, it's an immense and invaluable experience that I'm, I'm still, you know, processing. Yeah, well, a couple of things you've said struck me because earlier when you were talking playfully about how your students would try to get Mr. P to cry, and now as you're talking about this idea of heart, I mean, you seem to be especially for a man, <laughs> this is my own prejudice, somebody that's not afraid to put your feelings out there and to really share in a way that I think a lot of teachers perhaps, you know, distance themselves behind the lectern. Um, how, how do you describe that part of your approach? It's sort of all heart and maybe, and maybe not, you can tell me, that it might have to do with religion. I know you mentioned God, which is unusual for people when you accepted this post and talked to the school board. And I looked up what you had said at that wonderful anti-hate rally, and you said, um, I am Christian, not the hateful, bigoted type. But if you could just talk a little about where you get this heart and this sense of emotional commitment, and does it have to do with religion, or how does religion play into your your approach? Yeah, sure. So um, I would say in terms of heart, um, my my approach to, um, you know, teaching to the classroom was always that I I didn't want to wear a mask while teaching, if that makes sense. I wanted to be my authentic self because I wanted students to be their authentic selves and I wanted them to be comfortable to be that way. Um, and so, you know, if that was joking with each other, or even if I end up being the butt end of the joke, you know, I always loved those moments, you know, and love, I should say, laughing with students and experiencing truth and reality with them. I, 
I definitely want to reaffirm that I think humanity has to come first. Um, something that I've said, and I, I, you know, I get where colleagues have, um, you know, worried about my wording of it, but I, I believe that the biggest priority for me was always teaching the child and content comes alongside that. So um, I love history and I want to make no mistake about that. But I think teaching the whole child was always something that was at the forefront for me. And I think, you know, being honest and open with who and how I am, it's that's also a part of my nature. And I would never admonish any other educator for having a different approach. I think that we all have different strengths. Um, and I think that that is just an area for me that um, it's important to it's important to, to do that. Um, and in the sense of uh, how my religious beliefs play into that, I am definitely proud to say that I'm a Christian and, and expounding on what I said at the anti-hate rally. One of the things that is challenging is I've seen a lot uh, in, in media, I've seen it online, I've heard it in conversations where um, it's quite unfortunate, but a lot of people um, have now, and I would say, you know, for some of them, I, I really can see where some people are coming from, have conflated Christianity with either bigotry or hatred. And, and I think that that is, it, it's wrong. I don't think that um, the way I view Christianity, you can't hate and, and, and truly follow, you know, the beliefs and tenets of that religion. Um, I, I see it similar to how um, other religions have been decried. And I, I like to think that we can't judge the entirety of a group by the most vocal or, um, you know, I don't want to use the wrong, wrong language here, but the, the most, you know, noxious person in a group, you know, like someone wouldn't say that um, all, you know, all baseball players are just moved because one player gets ejected from a game, you know? So I think that for me, um, faith has been a part of my life uh, forever, honestly, <laughs> since before I was born is what my mom would tell you. Um, and I think true Christianity is understanding and respecting and, and enjoying uh, diversity. And again, that's from a wide range of backgrounds. Um, I, certainly am, um, you know, uh, a major um, feminist. Feminism is very important to me too. And I think that intersectional um, feminism is something that has a lot of value. And so I think that Christianity doesn't oppose these things. In fact, Christians, in my mind, are people who should be you know, at the forefront of social change because that's what love is. I like, I like that. that. Uh, um, we are unexpectedly out of time too quickly. <laughs> I wonder if you have any closing thoughts for us. I didn't get into all kind of the nitty gritty questions I was going to ask about how you see your new job and what you might be doing. So maybe some of your closing thoughts could reflect a bit on that. But really, whatever you want to leave our listeners with, I'd love to hear. My apologies. I, uh, I seem to have... You know, 
found it and pulled a social studies teacher and oh i think it no it's wonderful i feel like we got to know you a little bit which is really the most important thing but if you have any thoughts about how you might be proceeding going forward for the district because this is a big moment people have been waiting for um after george floyd's murder when those young black women talked to the school board members about how they felt their education hadn't really taught them their own history. And I, I was so pleased that the board decided to move and create the committee that you're on and then create this position. But here you are holding all this expectation in your hands. And I don't know what direction you're going to be moving, but whatever you want to share, I'd love to hear. So I will say this. Um, the first thing that uh, I want to bring to the positions, I um, I want to bring open ears. It's extremely important to me that people um, not just feel heard, but that they are heard. And um, I want to be, I need to be an open channel for people to be able to um, communicate with and to understand that they can, um, you know, talk with me and that I care about their stories. That's, that's you know, a top priority for me. Um, I believe that the the struggles in our district, you know, could almost be a microcosm for the United States where we excel in so many different ways. And I believe in the heart of this district, I believe in the heart of this community. And I think acknowledging those areas where we've misstepped or where we have failed individuals does not mean that we are, you know, admonishing turning our back on people. In fact, it means that we do care because we want to strengthen this community, make it better, and one that is more equitable, um, you know, for all constituents, for all stakeholders. So I think that, you know, we need to we need to get into the nitty-gritty and, and hear people's stories. Because if we don't hear people's stories, if people don't feel they can share their stories, then we won't be able to see um, the kind of change that we're hoping for. So that I think is a big part. And I think that we have a fantastic um, you know, faculty of teachers and we have so many talented and gifted um, individuals in our district working in all capacities, by the way. Um, and I think that as we arm our staff and our faculty with the tools to be able to break down barriers that have been systemic, I think we're going to see that generational impact that I spoke of. So um, those are some of the focal points for me. And I am just excited to be able to dive in and do some work that matters, not just to me, but to so many in our community as you've highlighted. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And no, I know I'm not perfect, nor do I expect to be, nor do I want anyone to have the illusion that I think that I am. But, um, you know, I, I believe uh, in, in a growth mindset and learning. Um, and, you know, I want that for the community just as much as I want it for myself. <laughs>